1: And this show is most definitely all about the heart. Today's show, we're focusing on the experience of beauty, majesty, and joy. And it's my great pleasure to bring on the show somebody who I've admired for many years, whose work I have admired since I was a young girl. And this is Norman LaTorelle. He has followed a path that has led him through all aspects of the performing arts, having occupied every position from lighting designer to agent, production manager, director, and artistic director. He is a pioneer of Cirque du Soleil. He has been the driving force behind many impressive and memorable events, such as the Sound and Light Show on Parliament Hill in Ottawa and the 350th anniversary celebration of the founding of Montreal. A visionary in constant quest for innovation, Norman Lauterell is renowned for, for combining different forms of artistic expression and reinventing the scenic space with the ultimate goal of taking audiences to new dimensions. I had the great pleasure of... Um, attending one of the first performances of *Cavalia* many years ago. And Norman is now bringing about a new production, very different and very expanded, that continues the creative dance between humans and horses through performing artistry. The show is *Cavalia*'s Odiseo, and I welcome Norman Lauterrell. Hello, Norman. Thanks for joining me.
2: Thank you for having me. Hi.
1: Hi. Tell a little bit more about your story. I gave the intro, but you've got such an interesting background. Talk a little bit about that.
2: Um, well, um, I, I, you know, I've started to uh, work in the performing arts. I was uh, the real first show I produced. I was about 13 years old at school. And uh, I never did anything else since then. Uh, I left school very young uh, at 16 years old because I thought, the, the the world was not moving fast enough in on a, a seat of a in front of a teacher so I wanted to just to work and so I I just did shows every aspect of it that you just mentioned I just touch everything um, and um, I what has always been my challenge uh, is to bring happiness um, and. That was always my goal. But um, underneath of that, I never wanted to to reproduce what was done before. So I always challenged myself to reinvent uh, the performing arts and to bring something new to this planet with the same objective of making the audience happy. So that's pretty much uh, who I am, uh, a simple way. Uh, when I created the uh, Cavalia, uh, you know, I was uh, coming out of Cirque du Soleil. When we started, actually, Cirque du Soleil, um, when we first brought Cirque du Soleil uh, in Los Angeles, for instance, in 87, 88, um, I found, because Cirque du Soleil is a French world and we're from the French part of Canada, which is uh, Quebec, province of Quebec, and uh, we're more located in Montreal, but Cirque du Soleil, nobody knew what it was, <laughs> nobody knew how to pronounce it, and nobody knew the product. And uh, I kind of uh, create a, a tagline saying we reinvent the circus, um, and that's how we promote Cirque du Soleil. And when I after I left Cirque, I created a show with horses, so. Uh, we kind of reinvent the way of uh, performing arts, but we also reinvent the way of uh, equestrian arts. And uh, that's always what I want to do in life. So some people have seen Cavalia uh, and the new show Odysseo is even a new invention. It's something, a step forward. It's something new. The one who's seen Cavalia, like you, uh, you're going to be blown away by what you're going to see again, but in Odyssey which is uh, a step, much higher step to, to reach.
1: You know, Norman, we were talking before we started the show, and I was mentioning my children who are now nearly 18, the younger, and 20 uh, for my daughter, and the kids still remember seeing Cavalia. They were quite little at the time when Cavalia came out, and you first started that show um, in Southern California. It was in Burbank, and – I thought maybe they would be uh, – I think it wasn't cool for me to bring them to the new show. They were like, oh, no, 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 we're excited, Mom. This is a good thing. So um, you know, people have memories of Cirque du Soleil when they were younger. They have memories of going to the earlier show of Cavalia. And really what I, I see you've done because I drive past the big top as it's being uh, – the, the, the circus is being erected on the side of the freeway here in Southern California. It's quite spectacular. This is not – the circus, as many of us recall it as children.
2: Well, um, yeah, totally. It's not nothing has nothing to do with a circus. To tell you the truth, um, w- where uh, now we make a big statement with Abisiel is it's still a touring show, but it was conceived as it was a permanent show. So the um, the challenge were absolutely every time we move. The challenge are great, uh, very huge challenge, because we move actually not a tent, but we move a, an entire theater. So when you enter the tent, you understand that this is not a tent. This is a real theater. So we offer, you know, from the the moment you open the door inside the, um, the theater till you sit and you watch the show itself, you find yourself like you were in one of the best theaters in Las Vegas. And the show uh, followed also the same principle, which I wanted as a touring show to be as good or better than any of the permanent show that you can witness anywhere in the world, including Las Vegas permanent show. And that was the challenge. But, uh, you know, the, the, the quality of it is, you, as a spectator, I mean, you'll be totally amazed But what you're going to see the the problem with it is it became, uh, easily became the biggest touring show in the world. And uh, it's, it's, it's a, you know, it's, it's a monster to move from one city to the other. I mean, we have 120 semi-trailer just to move the equipment. Plus, uh, we travel with uh, 70 horses, but the result is absolutely spectacular. I mean, when you see the set, the scenery, it's just mind-blowing. You can't believe that this could happen in a touring show as a spectator.
1: And when we talk about the, 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 the sites, this is really, it's a very sensuous experience. There's music that's created, new music for each production. So Odysseo will have its own, has its own score that is unbelievable. I've, um, we've listened to some and we're going to share some on the show. Um, the, um, the fact of this marriage between humans and horses and the, and the interplay between the species, right? This is something that is very unique.
2: Uh, Yeah, well, you know, uh, I think we're... I was very blessed to discover uh, horses one day uh, because I didn't know nothing about horses. Even when I left Cirque, I didn't know Cirque du Soleil. I didn't know nothing about horses. And I brought a horse uh, to a show I created here uh, in Montreal. And uh, I just realized that, uh, I mean, first, it was the most beautiful animal on earth. It took me a long time before realizing that because I was probably 35 years old when I realized that, or 40. And secondly, secondly, um, when I was bringing this horse to that stage at that show I created, it was just an extra. But I just saw that the audience were looking at the horse instead of the performers. And that, for me, it was a strange contradiction because, you know, you have... It was a big production, so I had 120 performers on stage, totally dressed, totally make-up, totally choreographed. Uh, And there was this bear horse (laughs) coming on stage, (laughs) and everybody was looking at the horse, and I said, my God, what's going on here? So that made me open my eyes and say, well, you know, if if a horse comes on stage and attracts so many eyes, what about if we bring a lot of horses? So this is where I started, and took me a long time. You know, I travel around the world to see the horse event and to just to realize how incredible uh, those domesticated animals were. Because when we created Cirque, uh, you know, and Cirque still, um, it, it, it's still the uh, you know the uh, the way they they work is it was a circus with no animal. When we started that concept in the 80s. A circus with no animal, we everybody thought we were cuckoo. I mean, circus had animals. <laughs> How can you do a circus with no animals? And uh, we did it, and uh, we did it by purpose. And I still believe that circus with animals should not, uh, I mean, circus should not perform with animals, especially wild animals. But when you go to domesticated animals and you realize that horses are like big dogs, of course they don't stay in your or near your bedroom, but uh, you understand when you work with horses or you're close to horses, they are domesticated animals. They like human. They, if you treat them well and if you're not threatening them and you don't hit them, and they become your best friend, like a like a dog, even more. They can give you, you know, ten times more than what you you give them. So. And when I realized that, this is where I also realized horses are very noble animal. And I think the reason why they're noble is because they are, in, and you know, I, Odysseo is about, a lot about nature. So, uh, you know, I do a lot of parallel between what nature is and Odysseo. But if you look at the uh, horses in nature, in the wild, is they're not predators. So they're surrounded by predators. So they're not looking after a fight. They're just looking after having peace.
1: We're going to take the break and then return after talking more about nature and the nature of horses and humans with Norman Latorell, who is the creator of Cavalia's Odiseo. You'll hear some tunes as we go to break. But to learn more, please visit Cavalia.com. Twitter handle is at Cavalia, and on Facebook, the page is also Cavalia. Here come the Odiseo tunes, and we will be right back. Before we dash off to the break, I want to mention that this episode of Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio is proudly sponsored by Health IQ, an insurance company that helps health-conscious and fit folks like runners, yogis, cyclists, and vegetarians get lower rates on their life insurance. If you're fit and active, you can be rewarded with lower life insurance rates. More than half of all Health IQ customers save between 4 and 33% on life insurance, and these savings are exclusive to Health IQ. And that's because physically active people have lower risks of heart disease, cancer, and diabetes compared to those who are inactive. Like saving money on your car insurance for being a good driver, Health IQ saves you money on your life insurance for living a health-conscious lifestyle. To see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com happiness, or mention the promo code HAPPINESS when you talk to a Health IQ agent. Learn more and get a free quote at healthiq.com happiness. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back, and that's a promise. That was a beautiful sampling from the soundtrack of Odysseo, the newest show by Cavalia.
0: We know that life can be tough and that happiness can and does live alongside adversity. Connect with us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and follow Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen for a daily dose of inspiration. We'll be right back after this quick break. Yourself saying things like, I'll be happy when, or I'll be happy if. Does the finish line for happiness keep moving? Does the bar keep getting higher? What's getting in the way of your happiness right now? Too much going on? Working too much? Not working enough? Having too many responsibilities? Not having enough money, enough time, enough space? The list goes on and on. It becomes difficult to see all that we have if we focus on scarcity. One thing I know for certain, happiness waits for no one. And sometimes we all need support. Are We Happy Yet? is not another self-help book. It's a guidebook for learning how to harvest happiness through self-mastery, which is the key ingredient into building resilience, hardiness, grit, and emotional stability. Are We Happy Yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, IndieBound, and HarvestingHappiness.com. Each day we get to choose how we are going to show up for life. And at times we need tips for strengthening our well-being. Learn training strategies for greater emotional fitness and improved mental muscle tone at HarvestingHappiness.com.
1: And that was a beautiful sampling from the soundtrack of Odysseo, the newest show by Cavaglia. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, we are talking about the experience of beauty, majesty, and joy with one of the pioneers of Cirque du Soleil, Norman Lautereau, who's also the creator of Cavaglia's newest show, Odysseo. Norman, before the break, we were talking about nature being a very big part of the new show, which is about to open in Southern California. Um, Talk a little bit about also the nature of the communication and relationship that develops between the humans and the horses who are the performers.
2: Yeah, well, you know, we, um, our performers spend a lot of time with the horse. And again, you know, if you treat the horse well, and if you don't, you know, beat them, if you don't force them to do what they have to do, they are very playful. If you look what they do in nature, if they just, if you reproduce that on a stage, you just have, a, a, you know, a piece of beauty. That's what is about, you know, Odysseo is just a place where you just realize as the audience, that there's a very strong bond between the performers, the writers uh, and, and the horses, because they spend a lot of time together, just sharing time, just having fun. And when the horse come on stage, they, they like, I compare often those horses to three-years-old boys. We have only so <laughs> three-years-old boys. So they come to their big sandbox. They just want to play. And, you know, half of the show, actually, they just run freely on stage. They are sharing the space with the... The, the performers, but more like we're trying to do choreography, organized choreography, but a lot of it is improvisation. And it and this is just beautiful to watch it. But when, you know, the, the stage is huge. Uh, it's almost twice an arena uh, rink. Uh, so the reason why it's so big is um, I call it a 6D show where you first start the show, you are in the forest. You have a real forest that and at one point in the show, the forest disappears, and there's a mountain, a real mountain that peaked 30 feet high. And behind the mountain, we have a screen that is about three times an IMAX theater screen, and we use the top technology to project 3D images on it. So you, and, and at the end of the show, you get to see the bottom of the stage, uh, which is huge, um, filled with 40,000 gallons of recycled water. And then you have a huge, fantastic splash where the horses gallop freely with the uh, some acrobats just flipping in the water. It's just, it's just a, a moment of happiness looking at the, those people, a moment of joy people enjoying playing in the water. But this is all about nature. This is and even the image that's why we call the show Odysseo it 's an Odyssey where men and horses go to discover side by side the most beautiful landscape in the world.
1: And when we talk about happiness, what I think is so interesting about the research, about where we really find our happiness, that, um, yes, we can buy new things, we can acquire goods, but ultimately experts really recommend in investing in making memories, in experiences. And this is where I see that Odysseo ties into this this methodology that you can go for an evening with your family, your loved ones, your friends, and have this experience that you will speak about for, for years afterwards, actually.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, we, um, I, I think it's, uh, this year was like a, a, living painting where we have uh, painted, uh, a world apart and a very dreamful world. Uh, and, uh, And you just said, you know, Odysseo, where even Cavaglia was, and Odysseo is even more, I think it's one of the rare shows where you go with a a three, four years old kid, uh, 44 years old uh, adult, and your grandmother grandfather at 80 years old, and you just have, uh, you know, a very uh, joyful moment all together, and you'll be impressed, and you'll... You're just going to live something out of this world, um, and, and it's going to make you dream because it's very colorful. Also, it's, it's the music surrounding it, the music is very important. So it brings you into a dream world. And you're really, you know, people tell me often when they look at Odysseus, it remind them the first Walt Disney movie they've seen when they were a kid. Uh, so this is this is this gives the same impression of, you know, happiness and fun and just just beautiful to watch.
1: Well, it's immersion, right? It's it's suspending one's everyday experience temporarily moving into a different reality. You know, one that is a beauty, um, joy, uh community you know seeing these horses and humans interact is also very spectacular and and you mentioned about the water and the horses galloping through the water which is one of the indelible impressions that cavalier made in my mind you know many years ago and i have a feeling is going to be repeated on a grander scale in odysseo um that that the suspended reality, I think, is, is something that is very special, especially in, in society today where you've got so much going on in the news with politics, with uh, world events. Um, it's nice to have a break, to have a recess.
2: Yeah, that's true. Uh, but, uh, you know, this will bring you to all kind of emotion. Uh, at some moment, you're going to laugh. Other moments, uh, you're going to be impressed because we have fantastic acrobat uh, and we have created some acrobatic uh, part of the show that is totally associated with the horse actually we have a, you know a, one part because that was my only connection when i was young with horses was a merry-go-round there was a fair <laughs> next to my house and i had, the only chance i had to go in the horse was to go in the merry-go-round so i've decided to bring a real merry round on stage but uh, it's not me who's uh, riding the horse; it's more acrobat's part, defying gravity on that real. I mean, it's huge machine that come out of the ceiling that just appear at one point, but it's it's very fabulous to see. And and we have achieved with Odysseo you know, the the perfect mix between uh, performing arts and equestrian arts, but also the acrobatic world, the music world. We have live music fantastic uh, band that is just following the action and you really feel like you're enter into a dream world uh, where uh, everybody live you know uh, and, and 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 with with in total harmony with uh, the animal
1: talk a little bit about the village because there's not just the the big top tent but there's a whole village and, and and other components to the experience, you know, with food and and the, and the music and being able to actually see and engage um, with the horses.
2: Yeah, well, we have a everybody has a good uh, seat uh, in the in the tent uh, in the theater in the auditorium because you are front seating and the seating are very steep. So you can see everything what's going on on stage. But in addition of that, we have invented a package that we call Rendezvous. It's a VIP package. And, um, you know, if you can afford it, it's, it's really worth it. Uh, we have a full meal. You, first, you enter a beautiful lounge type of uh, fancy, uh, you know, uh, place where you can sit down, have a full meal. It's a buffet type, but it's very good. We bring our own French Canadian chef with us. So you have a great meal. And then you get to see, uh, you know, wherever you decide to seat, but it's more in the middle. And you can also have the front row if you want to get wet <laughs> and uh, seating. <laughs> and uh, at the uh, intermission, you have full dessert and you have always have access to uh, wine beer whatever drinks you want and at the end of the show uh, you get to uh, meet on, not only some artists but also the horses so you get a visit of the stable and this is very very popular i mean people just it's 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 more you know it's it's not just going watch a show it's just going to spend you know beautiful 4 4 hours in total just enjoying uh, being uh, in a different world.
1: Well, I know I'll be there. Let's talk about the, the, some other fun facts about the show. You, ha- you said there were 70 horses. Did I hear that correctly?
2: Uh, yeah. In uh, Camarillo, where we are about to open, we will have 70 horses in the stable, yeah.
1: And how many humans?
2: Well, the show runs with 200, but you get to see 50 artists on stage.
1: So there are 200 artists, the 70 horses, and what about the support system that takes care of making this all run smoothly? How many, how many people in the company total?
2: Right. Well, you know, in the touring show I just mentioned, we have 200 people in the company touring this show. Uh, every performance, you have 200 people working. But on stage, you get to see about 50, horses, 50 artists, uh, and um you know uh, out of these uh, two hundred thats include the front of house people that includes uh, uh, the i actually just in the stable you get uh, about twenty five people only in the stable itself and the technician you have about forty five technicians so it's it's a major because we have a lot of flying acts we have a lot of uh, uh, you know again the sound is fantastic the lights are really moving and the image are just the technologies at the best that you can uh, you can see so all that require a big a big team
1: and the music which you're hearing samplings during this show is also being played live which i'm i'm very excited to hear we're out of time and i want to urge everyone to uh run to cavallia dot com and learn where the show will be if it's coming to your area and to uh, connect with Cavalia on Twitter at Cavalia and the page on Facebook once again is Cavalia. The new show is Odiseo and my guest today has been its creator, Norman Latouriel, and he will be there because I know you have a very hands on way about you at the show. At least that's my memory of being there many years ago in Burbank.
2: Yeah, I like I like to be
1: close to to my people. Yeah, close to the action. So um, hopefully, I will see you there. We are we are going to jump to a break. We'll be right back. Here come the tunes. Norman, thank you and congratulations on this new show. I'm very excited to uh, be able to to see it soon.
2: Thank you very much.
1: Thank you. Here come the tunes. That was a beautiful sampling from the soundtrack of Odysseo, the newest
0: show by Cavalia. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Unwrap your present by signing up for Happiness Headlines, our monthly e-zine at HarvestingHappiness.com. Stay tuned for more after the break. One thing I know for certain... Happiness waits for no one, and sometimes we all need support. We all have the freedom to be happy or the liberty to be miserable each day, regardless of external circumstance. Sure, things will inevitably happen in our lives that are out of our control. There is only ever one thing that is totally within our control—ourselves. When we have command of ourselves, we are better prepared to handle life and bounce back more quickly when challenges arise. Whether you see the glass as half empty or half full, the glass has the capacity to hold more. You have the capacity to be happier. The tool to harvesting your happiness is within your grasp. Are we happy yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, IndieBound, and HarvestingHappiness.com. Each day, we get to choose how we are going to show up for life. And at times, we need tips for strengthening our well-being. Learn training strategies for greater emotional fitness and improved mental muscle tone at HarvestingHappiness.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness
1: Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, we are continuing backstage and in the spotlight Living the dream in the performance arts, my next guests and the co-creators of the beautiful music you've been listening to as we have faded in, are part of Flow, a New Age music group formed out of friendship and a history of working and playing music together for over eight years. Fiona Joy's evocative piano and ethereal vocals have earned IMAs, IAMAs, and seven ZMR Music Awards and a song on a New Age Grammy-winning album. Fiona enjoys touring internationally and is known in China as the Piano Angel. Described as Miles Davis meets Pink Floyd, Jeff Oster's sound is unique, combining New Age beauty and progressive rock. Jeff's accolades include 4 times ZMR Album of the Year, multiple number one albums on NPR's Echoes, And multiple independent music awards. And I need to say that it's Jeff Oster, not Jeff Oster. We even talked about that, but would you know, we're going to continue to roll with this. And our special guests today are cicadas from Australia as Fiona Joy is coming to us from a beautiful little town in Australia. Welcome Fiona and Jeff. Thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks for having us. (laughs) So Fiona, tell us how your group name came about.
3: Uh, flow is an anagram of our names. So it stands for uh, Fiona Joy, Lawrence Blatt, Jeff Oster, and Will Ackerman. So that's the Flow.
1: Got it. And you indeed are in Flow. Your music is so beautiful. Jeff, how did you and Fiona connect? And, and tell us a little bit about your early careers.
4: Fiona and I met through our producer and the W in Flow, uh, Will Ackerman. Uh, I was asked to uh, record on I believe it was her album Blue Dream was the first time we uh, we had gotten together uh, in Vermont at Will's studio and it's turned into a really wonderful uh, it's almost 10 years now or something like that eight years relationship uh, in terms of musically and I consider her one of my one of my best friends and uh, she's great and And this whole adventure has been really wonderful. And my early career, you know, I've been playing for uh, 50 years now. And, you know, I grew up all over, moved in a bunch of places in the United States and had a really awesome uh, connection with my high school band down in Coral Gables, Florida. We went to Europe and marched in the Orange Bowl and all these really, really good things. So it was uh, sort of gone from there and branched out into professional work in 1975 and Play all kinds of top 40 music and recorded music in Vegas and Atlantic City and Lake Tahoe, all these different places. And uh, it's it's grown to where we are today. Uh, you know, got six albums out. It's really a, uh, been a, a very interesting and wonderful career.
1: Is this type of music a departure for you? Is the the New Age genre new to you, or have you been doing it since since its inception, which probably I'm going to date myself as going back to the early 80s, right?
4: Yeah, well, it's sort of funny how it's turned out that I'm a New Age flugelhorn player, and (laughs) it was really never the plan in the sense of most of my work up until about 2003 when i started releasing albums was you know latin music and funk music and singer-songwriter stuff i used to do some songwriting write some lyrics and i would play in different bands be a part of the band and all that but when i i um i've been a fan of will ackerman since 1978 when i first heard his music i was living up in oregon at the time and for years i played along with his albums i actually would sit in my house and play along with them and in about 2003 i i uh had uh put up a website on mp3.com which existed way back then and i was starting to get all kinds of downloads and number one on their ambient charts and i reached out to ackerman one day and he uh responded and we he turned into this awesome friendship and production Uh, he's my producer on many of like three of my albums But my first album was was produced by him. So my association with Will Ackerman landed in the New Age space, and there aren't a lot of flugelhorn players that are there. So I've I've always been about the tone and the warm sound of the horn. And uh, married to the Will Ackerman production, I ended up uh, being sort of known as a New Age uh, flugelhorn player, which is sort of interesting, really.
1: Well, it's funny. Well, I remember when... Wyndham Hill first came into being. I was a very young, young, young student (laughs) in Boston. And I Mm -hmm. thought, oh, this music is Mm -hmm. so cool. It's so different. It's so welcoming. It's so warm. And I've been a fan ever since. Fiona, how about you? Uh, What is the evolution of your music, musical style, and how you came connected to Will Ackerman and Jeff? (laughs)
3: <laughs> the genre questions are always an interesting one. I started writing music when I was eight years old and uh, I was uh, doing classical training at the time. I went, went through all my grades and I never really understood quite where I fitted in or what I was doing. I just kind of did what I did. And then one day um, my ex-husband and I moved to San Francisco and we lived there for a little while and I heard George Winston, and suddenly it was like a light came on, and I realised where my music belonged, and what it was that I was doing, and that it had a name, and it was New Age. And that was when I fell in love with um, with Wyndham Hill. And I heard, of course, about Will Ackerman. Will's always been New Age. He's, you know, the uh, understands the, the the magic of of the space and the timing in the music. That's very much. Um, New Age, which is is kind of has a spiritual connection to to the music. Uh, so so for me that was like like the light coming on and just understanding where I fitted finally.
1: <laughs> you come home.
3: <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. And then and then meeting these uh, these guys along the course of my career and having Jeff record on my albums and then meeting Lawrence and Lawrence and I did work together. We actually did uh, an EP. So we'd all been working together for about 10 years and kind of threatening to do something together, you know, saying, let's let's get together and and record something. And eventually we just thought, well, we've been talking about it for long enough now. Let's actually just do it. And so we, we recorded Flow.
1: And it's really beautiful. I was listening to it before we got together in our cyber living room here and I was really thinking, oh, I really what I want to do is have a, a hot crackling fire and a glass of wine. But it's probably 80 <laughs> degrees here and it, we're in a fire danger right now. So I'm like, well, that I'm um, a note to self. I'm going to do that later.
3: <laughs> well, I'd have to. Well, have, have me
1: of, cicadas. <laughs> yeah. What, Jeff?
4: Got half of it going on. You've got the fire there.
1: Yeah, but unfortunately, these these fires are are brazen and deadly. We have too much of it, but that's another conversation. What is so beautiful about Flow and the music that you've created is you're really storytelling, and you're conveying emotion and moods through the instrumental um, music. Talk a little bit about the challenges and the victories of the project.
3: Uh, It's always uh, really... uh, different when you've got to come together and work with a collaboration in terms of writing because we're so used to all having our solo career so uh, we came into the studio each with two or three pieces and handed it over to the rest of the group and you, you sort of you have a vision for where your song might go and you hand it over and it goes somewhere completely different because everybody puts their little little mark onto it And I thought that that would be a very difficult process, um, you know, in terms of having to give that up. But what I found was something really unique happened and my songs found a new direction. And I think, Jeff, did you feel the same way that that your songs took on a whole new life when when we sort of found our unique sound?
4: It felt quite a bit that it was going to be almost like a a compilation album where it would be You know, a couple of Jeff Oster songs with a few folks added on and a couple of Will songs and a couple of Fiona and Lawrence songs. But what ended up happening, and this was sort of the victory of it, I think, was there was a unique sound of the four of us together that none of us had actually imagined or thought was uh, going to be uh, the outcome of this. And a lot of this had to do with what we call uh, who we call the fifth Beatle, Tom Eaton, where he kept saying um, this needs to be the four of you and we need to hear all four of your voices in the songs, um, basically on every song. And that blend of the four of us, uh, you know, we've all played sort of separately in different orbits. Uh, all of it together equaled a sound of its own. And uh, it was, it's was it been the best uh, surprise and, and joy of this process in that flow itself has a uh, a blended sound or a group sound uh, that uh, the whole became greater than the sum of the parts, which is a, a pretty great exactly. thing. And a very well unexpected. Mm-hmm. And yes. let's
1: give a sample. We're going to dash off to a break for a moment, and we'll we'll go there with the beautiful music of Flow. To learn more, please visit www.flowthegroup.com and on Twitter at Flow the Group and on Facebook Flow the Group.
0: Says money can't buy happiness. Check out Lisa's new book, Are We Happy Yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life, and other fun, fashionable, and inspiring items at shophappy at harvestinghappiness.com. We'll be right back after this quick break. Do you find yourself saying things like, I'll be happy when, or I'll be happy if? Does the finish line for happiness keep moving? is not another self-help book. It's a guidebook for learning how to harvest happiness through self-mastery, which is the key ingredient into building resilience, hardiness, grit, and emotional stability. Are we happy yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, IndieBound, and HarvestingHappiness.com. Each day we get to choose how we are going to show up for life. And at times we need tips for strengthening our well-being. Learn training strategies for greater emotional fitness and improved mental muscle tone at HarvestingHappiness.com.
1: talk radio you're listening to the exquisite music of flow the group and we're continuing the conversation about backstage and in the spotlight living the dream in the performance arts with my guests today fiona joy and jeff oster guys prior to the coming back from the break we were talking about four grown-up very seasoned um, musicians that have a certain style of finesse. You've all done albums, you've all had these incredible careers, and you come together to create this, you know, like the fifth Beatle you were mentioning before we went to the break, this sort of independent sound. Ta- take us through that process. What does that look like? I understand that you bring the music, each person brings, um, you know, three or four songs into the room, but how do you hash out the end product? Are you improvising for a while till you hit your stride? I'll be quiet and let you guys tell us.
3: It's actually simpler than you might think. And it comes down to who brought the song in. Um, So talking from the perspective of the piano, uh, when I'm recording solo, the piano is the structure. Everything else that comes in after is a layer. It's a colour on my music. So when I take my piano into the studio and then the rest of the group lays down something on top of it 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 becomes color it um you know it, it sort of adds something really special and unique to that song and the same when somebody else brings you know when Lawrence brings one of his tracks in for me I had never really been a session musician because I had a solo career I'd never really created the color um, so that was an interesting process because Lawrence would come in with the structure, the rest of us would, would create the layers, and for some reason everything fell into place very easily, um, very quickly. We, we all think the same way. We share, um, we share a bond in music, not just in friendship, and I think it was, it was just a complete fit and creating a unique sound was uh, something that was it was a surprise to us, but it was always going to happen. Because every time we, we took a new song into the studio, the same thing happened. We'd all sort of look at each other and go, wow, we just did something really different, really unique and really interesting. Um, so I, h- how did you feel about it, Jeff?
4: Well, it's, it's, it's always a reactive process as well, where you know one of the beauties of of this is that other than the basic tracks that you come in with uh, nothing is written so it's all very um uh spontaneous and it's all very um from the heart and and having will not only playing but also as as our producer and and we've all worked with him in a, in a production capacity for years and years we know we know what it what the process is about and it really is about Um, if it's my turn to play, I'm in the studio and I'm uh, listening to the tracks as wherever they happen to be at the particular point in time in terms of their structure, and I'm adding to it. And Will is like, as the producer and Tom, you know, both of them, because they co-produced it, it's like no or yes or that's... And you just, you know, one of the beauties of Will is he captures the magic. And these things get built up. The horn part gets built up. It's not like I showed up with a horn part made up already. And I think that's true in the parts of the like a, on a will song where we added a piano fiona uh you know it's the same process was reacting and, and improv basically improvising but being captured on 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 tape I, I still like to call it tape um to a way to where we've we've created the song and okay. and that's where they came from and and were captured and, and put together and mixed and everything and then the, the the fun part was playing them live you know we did a Carnegie Hall show and a few other ones. And to bring that from the studio into the live thing was almost like we had to learn them again, which was probably one of the best parts.
1: This brings me to a very 21st century question. Did you create in the same room? Did you all come together at the same time or was everybody kind of doing their thing and then coming together, communing electronically?
3: No, we all uh, went to imaginary road studios in Vermont. We we bought in our own parts, two or three songs each, as, as a basic for a track, which we then built on. But we were all there together. We were all part of the process on everything that went on to the, that album.
1: Talk a little bit about going to Carnegie Hall. What an exciting feather in one's cap, I think.
3: Yeah, especially, yeah, all the way from Australia to Carnegie. That was just Awesome. I still can't believe that we did that. It was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Um, you know, I mean, it's such an iconic venue. Uh, it's such a big deal, you know, and it's the second time that we played together. And, and I'm, yeah, it was, it was wonderful. I think it was a dream for all of us.
1: Oh, I bet. I can just I can envision the music filling the space and the electricity and the, the emotions. So I'm, I'm sure it was incredible. What's next for Flo? We were Oh, sorry, Jeff, go ahead.
4: I was going to say, we just were very proud to be there. And, you know, you can feel the history, you know, walking in there. And, and, and it, again, Fiona sort of, you know, glided, glided, is that the word? Glided by the idea that that was the second time ever we had played as a, as a band uh, live. So, so there was a degree of intensity around that electricity um, and it couldn't be any more fresh than that uh, from a live perspective. And uh, it was, it, it really, it was just wonderful. I mean, we, we it was a sold out uh, crowd and everybody was very supportive and it was wonderful.
1: Oh man. So I really, I I, I I can imagine. And thanks for going back to that, that it was the second time that you had played together because I think there yeah. is this, um, the mystery of you know the new relationship although you had known one another for many years that playing together it's like you know dancing with a partner in a touch dance even though you may know the person you still have to get used to the way the way they move the way they cue and i would i would imagine this is very similar
4: can i add something to that yes uh this is the first band that will ackerman has ever been in ever and he's you know, he's, has a storied career as a solo artist and he's had people that have joined him, but they've joined him on his songs. So the idea of, of Will, uh, uh, uh learning parts and joining in with reactive improv, um, has, has been probably one of the greatest, um, uh, not only challenges, but also joys of the process where it's, you know you 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 in in your career you you get used to doing things a certain way and that's recorded wise also and and from a live performance perspective so to be able to stretch which i think this this project has allowed all of us to go out way out of our comfort zones um has been uh, probably one of the the not only uh probably one of the most electric aspects of this and i think the res- the result of it has been this sort of uh, spontaneous and fresh um, a live music that might not have happened otherwise.
1: And it's palpable to the listener. You know, uh, you know, I'm here on this end hearing the end result and moved by what I hear. And there is sort of a freshness and a curiosity and this ethereal quality to what we get to listen to on the other side.
3: I think it all comes back to the origins of the music, you know, where the place where the music comes from, which is friendship and it is a shared understanding of, of the music, you know, coming together, you know, sharing that is, is a very um, powerful thing because that's, you know, that's why it's unique and that's why it's special to us anyway.
1: <laughs> and when you look at the origins of flow, you know, flow theory, you know, it's when we're in that transcendent state of not really paying attention or caring about time and space, it's just the rapture of the moment. So I think the name of the group is quite appropriate.
3: Thank you. It's very appropriate considering it's the letters of our names as well. Indeed. <laughs> in, <laughs> indeed. We always gonna... laugh. Well, Sorry, it we worked. About what would happen if we had, you know, different names. <laughs>
1: Okay. Something else would have happened. I mean I I I think that because of the synchronicity of the four of you that something else would have clicked. But flow is appropriate and flow is definitely the sense that I I have when I listen to the music, which we are at the end of our segment today, and we're gonna go out with a beautiful um portion of music from Flow the Group. And I wanted to give the contact information once again, how to connect with Fiona Joy. And Jeff Oster and the other bandmates or group mates, you can go to flowthegroup.com on Twitter at flowthegroup and on Facebook Flow the Group. Here are a few thoughts before we part. Happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought, sold, or traded. Happiness will never invite you to the party. It simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose place and meaning thanks for joining us on harvesting happiness talk radio today this is lisa cypress cayman and my guests today norman laterelle fiona joy and jeff oster and the cicadas from australia wishing you kind thoughts kinder words and the kindest of actions until next time remember happiness is an inside job happiness is your inside job go out and rock your day and enjoy those tunes
0: For joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress Kamen. Join us each and every Wednesday for a brand new episode of Consciously Curated Talk Radio from the Heart. Keep harvesting your own happiness anytime from the comfort of wherever you are with hundreds of free downloadable podcasts from our libraries on TokiNet, iTunes, and SoundCloud. In a complicated world seemingly driven by nonstop negative news, Lisa's mission is to celebrate the upside of life and seek the silver lining of our challenges by transforming them into uplifting growth opportunities for all. To learn more about Lisa's global consulting services, please visit HarvestingHappiness.com. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa LisaKamen. Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio is produced in collaboration with TogiNet Radio, KBUU, RadioMalibu.net, and is available on PRX, the public radio exchange.